So welcome back to anyone who's sticking around for the end of this podcast. I'm glad you have because we're in the middle of the vision section of the book of Amos. Last podcast uh, on podcast 11, we, we saw the, the two visions that really go together, the visions that uh, will not come to pass. And, and today, my brother, Pastor Jonathan, and I, um, Pastor Timothy here in New York, um, we're going to get into the visions that will come to pass. So, um, really, Amos's mediatorial work is going to ultimately fail. The, the people are going to stay in their sins. They're not going to listen to Amos's message. And so the Lord comes to him with a couple more visions. You ready for this, Jonathan? <laughs> I don't know if you can be. Let's be honest. Yeah, this is tough stuff. But let's do it. No, I think I think you're right, and I think we should actually kind of preface what we're going to be saying over the next couple podcasts just by saying we're going to get a little bit into the the Amos chapter eight today. We'll take the Amos chapter seven verses seven to nine, and then we're actually going to skip ahead and take Amos chapter eight verses one to three. We'll talk about why we're doing that during the podcast here today, but we got to say, we got to say, we're actually getting into some, into the darkest part of the book of Amos. You agree with that statement? Darkest, darkest part of the book of Amos? I mean, especially once we get to that vision in Amos 8, 1 to 3. I mean, it's heavy. Oh man, it's, it's tough stuff. The light's going out. Yeah, it's just tough stuff, and you know, it's like it's makes, Good Friday, you know, in a Lutheran church. <laughs> it, it's Good Friday. I mean, we we talk about this all the time, uh, but uh, why does why does Scripture challenge us with the deepest, darkest stuff? Why is it so honest about this stuff? Um, why can it be so scary? And maybe we'll just talk about it like this: What's the scariest thing of all? That's that's separation from God forever, and that's hell. Who talks about it the most? The answer is our Lord and Savior Himself, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And why does He do it? And the answer always is, so we never go. Mm-hmm. So we absolutely. And so when we when we handle like like judgment and these and these really dark themes, we have to understand what God's really after is. I never ever want this to happen to you. That's exactly and, right. And this yeah. is one of the ways he's going to make sure it never does. So the light, like he's going to show us darkness so that the light will go on spiritually for us. Like, whoa, this is, sin is bad. It's bad. Yeah. So let's take it. I mean, let's take it. And let's, this is God's word. He, he wants us to hear this stuff. And we've been reading these visions. I think, I think we should read this one too. These are short little, little visions. They're all three verses. So we're let's let's read Amos seven seven to nine just because this is really the heart and core of the the message of the book of Amos. Um, here we go. So this is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand, and the Lord asked me, "What do you see, Amos?" "A plumb line," I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. 
the high places of Isaac will be destroyed, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. So there you have the, the kingly dynasty of of Jeroboam going on. It's gonna get it's gonna get wiped out. So like yeah. I think we should compare these visions to what to what we saw on the last podcast. Like what are some some, there's some things missing in here. There's Amos is disappearing a little bit. You notice that? Yeah, there's absolutely. no prayer for the nation anymore. He's go, like that's not happening anymore. Um, and both of these visions that we're going to see today, uh, there's actually no action either. Like there's no there's no uh, plague. Or swarm of locusts. There's no judgment by fire welling up. None of that's happening. What these visions are going to feature instead is like there's no action in them at all. Like it's just sort of a picture. And Amos doesn't understand it. <laughs> you know, he. The Lord's going to have to interpret the thing for him. So like Amos is getting, he's like not understanding it at all. And then the Lord's going to like prompt Amos to think about it. He's going to ask him a question in each of these visions. So it's like very different stuff. See that? Yeah. So you got the Lord, you got the Lord here standing by a wall. Okay, God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm, it's like, what are you doing by the wall? Yeah, in Amos, like Amos doesn't get it. There's a wall, and there's a plumb line, and that's a tough word in Hebrew. Like a lot of people, it's it's a little bit of a guess. Well, what is this? And many of the translations, we're just going to go with plumb line. Okay, so Amos is looking at this wall, and there's a plumb line, and he doesn't know what to make of it. <laughs> so well, we got why this are you highly, showing me this yeah. half-built wall or whatever? Yeah, this. And okay, congratulations, Lord. You know, if if I'm being a little sassy, like you built a straight wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. And all like right, of, of all the apocalyptic visionary stuff that the Lord could have showed Amos, I mean, this is the this is the type of stuff where you're kind of like, um, it's it's kind of boring. You know, it's like, uh, here's God with a carpentry tool. Huh. These aren't beasts like whirling in the air like giant angels or you know lions heads or something like that. It's like here's a wall. <laughs> Amos, I want you to stare at it. <laughs> and there's also a plumb line in it in his hand. Like so, so this is what Amos sees and the Lord knows like he he's doing this on purpose obviously and so he takes Amos over there and he and he's going to prompt Amos to do a little spiritual thinking. And he says, well, what do you see, Amos? <laughs> <laughs> and Amos says, a plumb line. <laughs> yeah, it's very, you know, it's just really interesting. Like, it, it's just a very clipped dialogue. You know, Amos, as he's responding, this is not like a, really involved conversation you know i know you know you wonder like how did amos say that like was he 
it's a plumb line, Lord. What do you want me to say? <laughs> like, was it something like that? Or was there disappointment or like confusion? A plumb line, I think, you know, like, yeah, what? what is that thing? I'm a shepherd. I'm not a carpenter. Yeah. I don't. Why are you showing this to me, Lord? And it's, <laughs> it's just, a, it, it's, it's making Amos think and it's meant to make us think too. And so then the Lord tells him, this is what I want you to see. I'm setting a plumb line among my people. And I think that's really important. He says, my people. So he's still claiming them. I'm setting a plumb line. I will spare them no longer. So like, it's this idea that the people don't line up to the plumb line. Like it, the bricks are out of whack and the, and the wall's not straight. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we could talk about, it's obviously this is a metaphor for um, a conceptual rendering of not meeting God's standards, and in this case, it's it's a it's a plumb line. It's a it's you know is it flat? Is it straight? Um, there are other ways that God pictures sin in the Bible too. Like we talk about that the idea of sin in the New Testament is that. You're supposed to hit the bullseye and you don't. Yeah. Or the idea of transgression in the Bible is that uh, you cross over a line that you shouldn't have crossed over, a, you know, like a, a boundary line, some kind of boundary line. Or iniquity in the same way is um, it's a twisting away from something uh, that, you know, like a perversion, a, a twisting away from what you're supposed to be. So that's the biblical idea of iniquity. And then here you have the Lord picturing it for us in, in a different metaphorical way, um, which is a plumb line. And it, but, it, the, but the idea powerful. is the same. Like you didn't, you didn't follow the rules. You know? You're sticking out. Your, your wall stinks. You're going to get whacked. You're yep. going to crumble. Yep. What's, and there's I a mean, penalty to that, that that comes, and that's... In, the high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined with my sword. I'll rise against the house of Israel. So it's going to be bad. Like you can't, you can't live outside of the wall, you know, the straight wall that God requires and think that uh, God's going to let your sort of wall stand. It doesn't work that way. No. You know, like to use a similar metaphor, like you've played Jenga before, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you you take out those little Jenga, I don't know, what what do you call them? Like those little bricks? The blocks or whatever, yeah. The blocks and... Sorry, but that's coming down. Yeah. Jenga always ends in disaster. The Lord's hand is going to just knock it over and be like, this this isn't pleasing to me. And what's interesting here is you have him going... You really have the Lord going after what we call the first table of the law. This is mm-hmm. the first table of the law. So you have, when we talk about God's law, we typically separate it into the two tables of the law. You could even think of it as two different tablets Moses gave us, but one's about how we relate to God, and the other set of rules is how we relate to each other. And here you got the first table, which is how how we relate to God. So you have apparently these high places of Isaac uh, was, was no true relationship with God. 
um, and the sanctuaries of Israel, um, whatever they were doing in there, it wasn't working. Uh, everything's coming down. Everything. Yeah, this is the this is the law's mirror or the the law's plumb line. That yeah, we see that things don't line up, and there's going to be a a destruction that that happens as a result of it. And, and there's no here. There's no mediator either. That's maybe the most distressing part. Like the mediatorial work of Amos is over. And you, you know what's interesting? I will say this: there's a there's a note you you can get a sense, just a sense of God's nature here, in this little line here. So he sets. I'm in verse, I'm in verse eight, um, and he says, "I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them." And then you have that little line there: "No longer." Um, isn't it amazing? Uh, that he waits as long as he does, yeah, if you really think about long-suffering it. Long-suffering God. He's always this long-suffering, compassionate God. He gives us a lot, a lot of rope, way more than he should. Mm-hmm. Um, but God finally says, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I just can't do it anymore. So then what Amos does after he, he gives us this little short vision where the Lord doesn't relent now, is he actually moves into the narrative section of his book. It's the only narrative section in his book. It's this amazing uh, conflict between Amos the prophet and Amaziah the priest. So it's a histor- just so it's a historical look at okay, it this is what went yeah. down. And yeah. it's really powerful. Um, and I think in the next podcast, we got to get into the reasons why Amos... It, like literarily decides to stick this narrative in the middle of the, the uh, of these visions. Um, but we wanted to take these two visions together that go together the, where the Lord doesn't relent. Um, so we're going to pick up the narrative next time and kind of get into uh, this fourth vision that Amos has in Amos chapter 8. You want to read it there, Jonathan? I'm on it. I'm on it. So here I am. I'm in verse 1 of chapter 8. Um, and again, just hang on, listeners. Just hang on with us. This is getting here. dark. Yeah, just hang in there. Um, we got to deal with this here. The Lord wants us to. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. <laughs> <laughs> you have this kind of clip dialogue again. Then the Lord said to me, this, the time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Uh, hopefully our listeners are hearing some similarities here. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Wow. Ouch, right? Silence. Some of the darkest words in all of Scripture, I got to say. You you see these same characteristics that we saw in vision number three. There's no action here. Like the locust, again, the locusts and the fire, they're not showing up. You just see this image, that's it. Um, you, 
confused Amos shows up again. <laughs> He's not sure what to make of it, and the Lord's going to lead him to it through a question. So that, that's why we take these visions together. Um, so let, let's get into what, what he's seeing here a little bit and kind of hash this out. You got a basket of fruit. <laughs> so we got, it's Thanksgiving. You got a cornucopia. You know, how nice. <laughs> and again, like, you have to wonder, like, of all the visions that the Lord could show Amos, he decides to show him a basket of fruit. Like, I, I, you know, I picture the Lord. He's going through his whole museum his art gallery if you will and he's he's got this option of showing him like apocalyptic horses or something like that and and the four beasts that he showed to Ezekiel in the throne room of God that he showed to Isaiah and he stops Amos in front of a basket of fruit you know um this is what this is what the art world actually calls still life still life have you heard this still life yeah, um, and, it rings a, it rings a bell. Yeah, so we have a still life picture. It's a, it's a still life picture, and like even like the it's art thing you'd see in, yeah, like the Academy of Artists, even says that this is actually the lowest of all art forms. <laughs> <laughs> they say that like this is I I've always kind of looked at this still life stuff like, just kind of like my two year old looks at a rattle like. <laughs> like what is what is why are you painting this it's not lifting my soul up to heaven and i kind of think that's there's a little of that going on because the lord goes to amos he says what do you see amos and amos says a basket of what right fruit lord now can <laughs> i ask you this like okay how do you know it's ripe you know because okay some Melanie, uh, my wife, Melanie, um, she gets me fruit sometimes. She tries to keep me healthy, even though I fight her on it so hard. <laughs> um, I have to take a piece of fruit and, you know, okay, I got to, you know, touch the thing to see if it's really where it's supposed to be. How, like, what's indicating here that it's ripe? What's going on there? Well, we don't know. <laughs> but somehow we don't the have, Lord, it's we have not a green here. banana it is or it's a yellow one <laughs> it's a yellow one yeah. i mean we don't have the image in front of us like someday in heaven i'm be like the lord's gonna be like that's the that's the image that i showed to amos but and we'll go oh I oh i understand yeah that's why you showed it to him it's a basket of ripe fruit i don't know but the you know the artists have actually tried to to paint this, uh, one one of the the, the painters um, by the name of Michelangelo Marisi da, da Caravaggio, saying in the Ambrosium Library of Milan, they call it Canasta Canestra di Frutta. There's my Italian for you. Well done. And if you at first glance it's like, oh, it's just a basket of fruit, but if you stare at that thing long enough, what you'll see is that there's like on the peach, the there's like uh, fungus on it. 
Just a little piece. A little yeah. bit, yeah. And like if you look at the apple, there's like it looks beautiful and red and everything else. But if you look at it long enough, what you'll see is like there's a little brown spot on it. Mm. And like the there's little holes and leaves as if the insects are getting at the figs, you know. So the and, idea you you have here is uh you got this fruit and it's about to go bad. <laughs> the time yeah. is up. You look at it and you You're know done. tomorrow it's no good. And what 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 can you do with fruit that's overripe? I throw it away. Like when when the banana's got too many spots on there, that's not gonna taste good anymore. It's it's useless to me. I mean, some people might make banana bread, but <laughs> you wasteful, wasteful. Oh, I know. I shouldn't have admitted that, but look, it's not that. That's the point here, though, is that the Lord's saying, like, this fruit's no good to me. I can't eat this. This is bad fruit. Yeah, and we do know that fruit's important to God. You know, that's a big metaphor in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for for good works, right? So that's that's what we have here, and and so he, the Lord is saying, I'm not going to spare Israel anymore. This this fruit is too ripe, and so he says, in that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple were turned to wailing. So we got lamenting here. And then this stunning, stunning end to it where it says many, many bodies flung everywhere. So we're assuming they're dead. And then there's just this word sitting there, silence. Like it's this, it's this awful, like you walk into the room and be like, whoa, horror of horrors. And there's just no words for how bad this is going to be. I mean, it, it just verse three there. It each time it moves forward in the verse, uh, you have it getting worse. So where there was singing and worship, all of a sudden it's gone. So you have people who are apparently alive, um, and then they get real sad and they start lamenting, and then all of a sudden there's no longer people. And all you have are bodies. Um, and then worse yet, you have many, many bodies. So there's a, they're piled up. They're everywhere. And then you have a very violent term there. They're, right? Flung. Flung. They're flung, and then they're there's everywhere. Silence. Yeah, like there's this, just this chaos and disregard. No burial. It's like the whatever came through um, just wanted to be done with with these people, and then uh, Timothy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, uh, isn't this some really broken up Hebrew structure grammatically? Like it, it just it the seems English to me that Amos, is, yeah, yeah, like it's it's. It's all chopped up like Amos can barely get it out of his mouth. It's almost like he's, you know, like, he's like Daniel when yeah, he saw his visions. He's just like, 
he's he's gaping. He's, he's barely getting words out. So weak, and he wants to. His face is pale, and it's but I think span. you have to meditate on that word, that final word, the most devastating word. There is silence. I mean, just meditate on that for a second. Like, there's never been a time in my life when there's been silence in my world. I don't think ever, ever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always life around me, even when I'm asleep. I mean, there's always things happening. There's always animation. There's always, I, I mean, go outside and nobody's talking to you and there's going to be a cricket going somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. But what silence indicates is life is gone. Yeah. And it's it's stunned, like the viewer is almost there and it's like there's just no words like you, you don't you just can't if anybody is there they don't want to say anything because it's just so bad silence so there's this question there's this question that we have to answer for ourselves and and for our listeners here timothy like what what are we supposed to do with this repent Uh, we saw, we saw Amos, the mediator disappear. He can't hold it back anymore. Right. He can't stop the wrath. He can't, um, in Jesus name, you know, we stand next to his cross and we see, and we see the mediator that did that, that received this wrath in his body. And and we hope in him. That's what we do. <laughs> so when we feel that law, I mean, you, you got to be, I'll just, you know, I'll just be honest, like, you got to be dead inside for this not to affect you. You have to be just completely dead inside. You, you have to have actually no spiritual knowledge about yourself to read this and go, that's not going to happen to me. I... God has nothing on me, you know, because that's really what you have to say. Like, God has nothing on me. He's not going to come for me. Um, to be able to read this and just let it put on your duck feathers and say, whatever, you know. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that there's a lot of people listening to this and 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 it feels like they they I might mean, think that they're this bright, cheery apple. That's if the Lord took a bite, you know, it's juicy inside and what they don't know is that tomorrow that turns rotten (laughs) that's what amos is trying to say and and so you have when we realize when we realize that we are not the bright cheery apple um when we feel that in our hearts you know and the spirit has to give us that gift through the power of the word and he's doing that here um all we can do is say, Lord, have mercy. I mean, that's Lent, right? Mm-hmm. Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, and you just, go, you just go into that temple, because here we are in the temple, right? You just go in that temple, and you beat your breast. You lament you it. You lament who yeah. you are. You just go in that temple, and you beat your breast, and you say, Lord, have mercy. And 
what Jesus teaches us is that when we do that, we go home justified. Yeah, it's beautiful. And and so we think like Amos disappeared, but Jesus didn't. He's he stands there in the gap, and he stands with sinners. Mm-hmm. And he becomes one with them, takes on their sin. I mean, let's look at this. Let's look at, because this is such a heavy, heavy, heavy picture. Let's flip this on its head for a second and think about this. Where, where Amos fades away, and then what you have left at the end of his uh, mediatorial work is just deadness and silence. At the end of Jesus' mediatorial work, you have this Lord who in sharp contrast has now risen from the grave and is so triumphant that he lifts his hands in blessing over the entire world. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to be with my father and I'm going to rule for you. And, I, and when I'm there, I'm going to intercede for you. Yeah. And in fact, that's how Amos is going to end his book. We're almost there. We're getting so close to chapter 9. But that he's going to say that David... David's fallen shelter will be restored. And there's going to be this amazing harvest of fruit. (laughs) (laughs) So like in Jesus' name and through his mediatorial work, um, we're going to keep trusting that. We'll we'll trust that to the end of days. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Because what else are we going to have? Like, I'm not going to stand in the gap for anybody. (laughs) I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. And I'm just as much ripe fruit as anybody else. But covered in the blood of Jesus, I look great to God and will be saved. Yeah. So we've seen we've seen now four visions. We saw the uh two visions where God will relent. We saw two visions where God won't relent. We got a fifth vision still coming up in chapter 9. Um, but we're all we're going to backtrack a little bit and pick up that narrative um, between Amos and Amaziah. Powerful, powerful story there. Real historical event where a priest and and a prophet go head to head. Even though usually those kind of figures would work together in the Bible, and and you're left with um, this question is like, well, what happened? And it's just this masterful thing, like. Um, the, it doesn't really matter what happened in the book of Amos. What really happens is what happens in your life. Like it's that's kind of how Amos tells the story. So um, uh, join us next time as we kind of continue, and we we also see the connection between this narrative and the visions. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>